This is a Monty Moment. I'm Johnny Montabano. Getting you ready for week four in college football. And this is such a great week because we've got several key conference matchups. One blockbuster non-conference matchup, which highlights this week four schedule. The SEC, ACC, and Pac-12 all have games that could be critical in ultimately deciding a conference champion. And we've got so much else to discuss that, you know what, I needed some help and a partner to discuss this upcoming Saturday and more in college. So joining me to talk about it, he blogs for us here at the Empty Defense Podcast Network, and that is Brody Sorbera. Brody, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing good, doing good. Just uh, enjoying my day off. <laughs> Absolutely. I know that feeling. It's it's great to have it, and it's great to have you aboard. And you can follow Brody right there at Sorbera underscore Brody. Brody does a great job with some college football blogs that we have here on the Empty Defense Podcast Network. And you actually just dropped one recently about Mel Tucker, who it looks like as of this recording is going to be let go is going to be fired at Michigan State. So um, what do you before we get into the college games, what did you think about uh, the situation that's going on there? Well, I, I stated in the article before that like the, the chances of him ever coming back to coach another game were slim to none. Um, really, it's really he, he should be ashamed of himself because he was one of the highest paid coaches in college football and he, and he completely met, completely messed up not only his career but his program. And uh, affected that poor affected that poor woman. So really, it's just been a big mess all around. I think it will affect their recruiting, and it will it will affect. Um, they're already in a, the, probably the toughest division in all college football. So it's already a tough going for them. So really, it's just a messy situation all around. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, just the stories that have been happening, and uh, there was original reports that he was already let go, and then they were just suspending him indefinitely. And it found we found out earlier this week that it will just be a matter of time before he's officially let go there from Michigan State. But Brody, on the on the field, it's been a crazy start to the college football season. And really the two teams that we've been highlighting a lot here on the Monty Moment have been Colorado and Alabama. And if you look at the latest top 25 poll, yeah, Alabama did beat South Florida last week, but in very ugly fashion and to the point where Bama is out of the top 10 for the first time since 2015. Georgia still remains number one. And really the, the game of the of the week last week, which was really, it was, you know, it's funny because last week we were talking how it wasn't really the, the greatest slate of games last week, but you really had the top teams like Georgia, like uh, Alabama and uh, Florida State struggling to survive. They did win, but they struggled. But really the game that everybody's still talking about is Colorado beating Colorado State in double overtime, overcoming a double-digit deficit, and Dion's guys improved to 3-0 and on the season. So what do you make about what we've seen so far through the first three to four weeks of the season? Oh, boy. It's 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 uh, definitely a lot more wild of a season than I ever thought it was going to be because, uh, because I thought Alabama was going to have maybe a couple issues at quarterback, but I thought surely they could figure it out. They've had question marks at quarterback before. They always – seem to turn out somebody and they just and now they and now they've just um now they just seem to now they're out of the top 10 so really it has been a struggle for them on offense now their defense has looked iffy they've looked they've looked they've looked okay at times but looks okay but it looks like they're going to go with Jalen Milrow probably for the rest of the season out of the three he's probably their best quarterback and and I say best with a asterisk because he's not definitely not up on Bryce Young levels or any of the quarterbacks that they have had in years past, like even if they haven't always gone up to the pro level, well, until recently, 
but but still, um, they are up against Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is a very high-powered offense with uh, with their signal caller Jackson Dart. I know we're going to discuss that a little later, but that is going to be a that is that game is, in my opinion, is going to be as tight as do- as a tick on a dog's ear. Excuse me. Um, um, but anyway, um, moving on to uh, Georgia, I I was really um, I was keep close track of both these games because like I could imagine if both Alabama and Georgia lost both lost to unranked opponents it would completely throw the season into total chaos had it not already um that would have thrown the rankings completely off I um I bet Michigan fans were kind of rooting for that because they thought they could maybe slip into the number one spot but alas Georgia survives um but story of the year really is a Really is really is Colorado and what they've managed to do, what Dion has managed to do. I am, sh- but I noticed that everybody everybody on Twitter was saying like, because I guess the Colorado State coach he didn't really necessarily talk trash per se, but I guess people took it as talk. And everybody's saying, "Oh, Dion's about to go off on this guy." But you know, I mean, the, the Colorado Colorado State game. I mean, between all the, the trash talk and the hype leading into it, with and then. Colorado State jumping out to a, a big lead. Actually, they jumped out to an early lead. Colorado came back. And then in the fourth quarter, the Buffaloes had to come back from a two-score deficit just to get it into overtime. And the way it just finished. And that atmosphere out there was absolutely amazing. And, you know, ending at just after 2 o'clock in the morning Eastern time. I mean, I woke up Sunday morning getting ready for work, and they were just going to Deion Sanders' postgame press conference. Uh, in Colorado, what they have done so far these first three games – I mean, it is not only transformed the sport of college football. It's really like it's the story of the. It's almost the story of the year in sports. It's it's probably a top three story that when we, if we do a best of twenty twenty three, they're going to be up in the top three in terms of sports stories this year. It, it's been that amazing. And now what'll be fun is they've got two challenging opponents these next two weeks. You know, they and we're going to talk about it. They go to Oregon and then they're home against USC. So I don't know how long this is going to continue, but it's been one heck of a ride. Oh, it ha- oh definitely it has been. Um, people are saying some crazy stuff like the last few weeks. Oh, Colorado's going to win all their games and go to the college football playoff and shock the world. I even I was like, I mean, it's it's Dion's first year. Yeah, usually in their first year, you don't you don't you don't tend to do much. Um, it does take a while to transform a program, but he's managed to do it in just a couple of weeks. So that's the I think that's what's extra shocking about this. He's managed to completely transform that program. I mean, thanks to the transfer portal, which has already done a lot to transform college football. You can make an argument that uh, the reason why Alabama has not been up to their standard is because the the competition has gotten better. And uh, as a lot of people are saying, NIL and the transfer portal has even the playing field a bit because I guess Alabama has been to hoard all the talent for so long. And now players are, if they don't, get to starting job they could just transfer to a place they know they can you're absolutely right Brody. i mean the transfer portal has definitely changed and we've seen the, the top teams like alabama and clemson not really use that transfer portal to to an advantage and uh as change goes in college football you either need to adapt or die yeah and i know well, it sounds intense but it's true well, we'll find out. And like you said, Jalen Milrow did get named start, the starter for Alabama ahead of their SEC opener against Ole Miss, and we'll see what happens there. But we'll, um, we're going to go through, you know, normally on the Monty Moments, I give you three college football picks every every week, but for two reasons. This week is so insane with the great games that are going on. I mean, I we're going to go through five 
Brody and I were talking before we started. We could have almost done ten because it's that impressive. You know, he he's a he's got his Penn State jersey on, and Penn State's got a big game Saturday night against at home against Iowa. Maybe you can touch on that towards the end. But uh, for me, we're I'm going to pick you. I'm going to pick you five games this week against the spread. Now, last week we went one and two once again. So unfortunately, we're to five hundred now. It's six and six on the year. But again, we're going to give you five picks this year this this week and try and get you some winners. And this week really could shape up not only conference play, but also the college football playoff as we know it. Um, so let's find out what we could do. And Brody, we'll start uh, right at noon Eastern, a big ACC showdown in Clemson as fourth-ranked Florida State travels to Clemson to take on the Tigers and a pretty rare spot. Now, I know, Brody, you don't do lines, but just for my sake here, I'll bring it up here. Florida State, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. But with this line, what this is also showing you is Clemson being an underdog at home which they have not been an underdog at home since 2016. And they've also only been an underdog at home three times in the last 10 years. So what do you think about Florida State, who struggled and barely survived against Boston College, going to Clemson in this big ACC showdown? Well, Florida State actually got off to a really, really good start against Boston College. I think they were up by like three scores at one point, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly. It was Boston College that stormed back into the game near the end. So, I mean, with how incredible Florida State looked at week one, I literally thought they were probably the best team in the country at that point. Now, after that Boston College game, I'm not so sure. But I definitely still think that Florida State is way more talented, talented with a capital T against Clemson. I think that's a big advantage. Not not to men- not to mention, this is probably not the Clemson team of years past when you get blown out by Duke. I know Duke is a pretty good t- underrated good team this year, but still, I mean, even in a raucous environment like that, Clemson is probably going to be. Uh, I still think Florida State's going to win. I still think they're going to cover it. Maybe maybe only by a touchdown, maybe by two if they really explode in the fourth quarter. Um. But I think I can pick. I think I'll pick Florida State to win. I'll pick Florida State to cover. So when we looked, when we look at Clemson, the last three times they were an underdog. Two of those three games, they ended up winning it outright. But you would you echo pretty much what I was going to say because Florida State does have more playmakers than Clemson this season, especially a quarterback. And we'll see how healthy Jordan Travis is in this game on Saturday because that's going to be a big thing. They've got the better receivers, and in big games like this, you need guys who can make those winning plays. And something like we had just mentioned at the start, the difference also with these two teams comes down to the transfer portal. You know, Florida State has used it. Clemson has not really used the transfer portal to its advantage since Dabo's been there. And I think it it, it feels a little bit wrong to fade Clemson in this spot, but I just don't see really where they have any real sustainable advantage. And Clemson's looked better these last couple of games, but it's not been against superior talent. So this feels like the moment where the Seminoles are going to reclaim the, the top of the conference and maybe Clemson wins this one, but I don't think they'll win. They'll beat them uh, later on in the season when it looks like it'll be these two for the ACE in the ACC championship. So I agree with you. I would take Florida state minus the two and a half. And I think a touchdown, that's what it feels like. It feels like Florida state wins this game by a touchdown. So that's what I'm going to go with in game number one. Game number two, well, let's let's see if Dion's crew can do it again. But this is a tall task as they go. 19th ranked Colorado travels to Oregon to take on Bo Nix and the Oregon Ducks, a 3.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff out west there in Oregon. And the 10th ranked Ducks, a three-touchdown favorite in this one. Uh, Brody, 
I know Colorado's been the story of the year, but this is really a tall task for Dion's crew, especially with who is a Travis Hunter being out for a few being out for a few weeks after that game against Colorado State, that that big hit that he took, that nasty hit. But you know, uh, Shador Sanders has been talked about in Heisman in Heisman discussion, but he's got a tall task here going to Oregon. Yeah, um, I. There was not, there was another guy um, named Josh Pate who literally put Oregon in his in his uh, college football playoff his prediction before the season literally put him in the college football playoff I think that's for a reason I definitely think they probably have the one of the best offenses in the entire country probably the best offense in the Pac-12 I mean although USC probably wants to make an argument about that but um actually I think USC would be number one Oregon's right up there um. Bo Nix has been incredible ever since he transferred to Oregon. Definitely completely transformed as a player than where he was at Auburn. Um, so I, I, I don't I don't like this betting line. I think 21 is a little much. I think Oregon will I think Oregon will win by like maybe a touchdown or two. Um I I love Colorado. I love what Dion's done. I love that team. I really do. But I think this is going to be a re- like you said, it's going to be a reality check for them. I think they're going to run into a brick wall with this game. I think Colorado might manage to keep it close, but I just think Oregon is the better team, more well-rounded. I think I'm going to go with Oregon. I'm going to say by two touchdowns. I don't think it's going to be a three touchdown. Like so, Oregon will win, but they won't cover. That's exactly where I have it. I think Oregon wins even by 17. It could be a three-possession score, but but I think Colorado could keep it inside that number the the thing is when I look at this matchup is while Colorado's best you almost could say as great as their offense has been the secondary is their best area on defense but Oregon's rushed the ball for 230 yards per game and I think they shouldn't have any problem running the football through Colorado and behind Bo Nix the Ducks have averaged nearly 600 total yards of offense and Nix is thrown for nearly 900 yards and eight touchdowns with no interceptions so, and also the offensive line has done an incredible job at keeping Bo Nix clean. And they've had, they've had at times where they've looked dominant in pass protection. So also their coverage on defense has been great and Colorado throws the ball a lot. So I think, you know, Shador Sanders is going to have to be nearly perfect in this one just to have a chance. Colorado though is going to be a tough, is going to be a tough out every weekend. So I think it's going to be a reality check, but I also could see them keeping it inside the number, even if it's a 17 point game. So I agree with you. I will take Oregon to win, but I will take the the Buffaloes plus the points. And not looking ahead to week five already, but it was also announced that next week's game for the uh, Buffaloes, they are going to take on USC. They're home to take on USC next week, and that is going to be a noon Eastern kick on Fox. So the big noon kickoff crew is going to be there. That is a 10 a.m. Mountain time and a 9 a.m. Pacific time kickoff there next week so if there was ever a chance for the buffalo for Dion's crew to get an upset i'm almost looking more at next week against usc and that's crazy to say versus going to oregon for them but we'll find out what happens maybe they're also giving the usc trojans a preview of what life is going to be like in the big 10 next season with those early kickoff times so yeah game number two oregon wins i think colorado keeps it inside the number in this one well also, also out west, a big one in the Pac-12 here for 22nd-ranked UCLA taking on the 11th-ranked Utah Utes, the two-time defending Pac-12 champion Utah Utes in this one, and the Utes a four-and-a-half-point home favorite in this one, Brody. Yes, um, 
Yes, uh, even with uh, Cam rising out, I think the back I think the backups at Utah seem to finally have stabilized. It looks like they found a solid backup in Nate Johnson. He's a twenty. He was a twenty-two for thirty-two, uh, two hundred eighty-one yards, which is, I mean, good. It's good, but I think Utah's defense has definitely came up big for them when they needed to, especially against Florida. And and I still, but I think a lot of people are overlooking is how good UCLA's offense has been. Um, uh, DJ Moore has passed for 600 yards, seven TDs and only one interception and, and a 500 total plus yards offense. That is a big number. And I definitely think it will come down to whether Utah's defense could get the stops where they need to. And this really could go either way. This really could go either way. I give the slight edge to Utah right now, but I think it'll be, I think they will just miss the cover. I think it might be a three point victory to the pain of everybody betting on this. I think Utah will win, but they will not cover. I think it will be a close game. I think UCLA will give them one hell of a fight, but I think in the end, Utah's defense can come up big when they need to. Yeah, that's the four and a half number is one of the trickiest numbers when you're doing games against the spread because it's because you almost because it's almost inviting you to take the underdog at least to cover this this one. But I look at this time and I, I'd like Utah actually to win this game and cover it because you look at all three of their games at Rice um, in, in this matchup with UCLA. They've won all three of the meetings at home by at least twenty points since twenty seventeen. And you're right. You know, they've, they've actually been able to stay undefeated despite a relatively tough schedule and the absence of Cam Rising. Now, the latest upge- updates show that he it suggests that he's a day-to-day status. So um, you're almost trying to figure this game with Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson under center, like he said. But I like I like them because I look at UCLA and they barely beat Coastal Carolina in week one. Um, they, they did improve to a 35-10 win on the road against San Diego State. But their last couple of opponents, San Diego State, North Carolina Central, are not in the same tier as competing against Baylor and Florida, which are two of the opponents that Utah has beaten since uh, this season, despite Cam Rising's absence. So I like Utah against UCLA here, minus the four and a half. I think Utah wins this game by at least a touchdown. So that's what I'm going to roll with here. The Utes minus the four and a half in game number three. All right, Brody, this is the game that might determine Alabama's season here. 3.30 p.m. Eastern, the SEC on CBS is 15th-ranked Ole Miss takes on 13th-ranked Alabama. And i got to tell you, it's so weird saying 13th-ranked Alabama. It's just so unusual. But Nick Saban's crew's heard it all this season so far. The doubters say what everyone, and they have not looked good for the past year plus. But they are home at Bryant-Denny Stadium laying a touchdown to Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss squad. Yes, this this is tough. Not – this is tough. Um, so it looks like Jalen Milrow has been named the starter. Out of those three, he definitely looked like the best quarterback, but um, they have not been those Alabama Kiwis have not been up to the like Bryce Young levels, like the levels they've had in years past, even even the entire offense. Like really they just don't have the star playmakers that they've had for so many years. That's what made Alabama as great as they have been. I def- a lot of people will argue that the, the introduction of the NIL and the transfer portal has kind of leveled the playing field a bit, um, especially, and a lot of people are also blaming that the coaching staff is not up to the levels that Alabama has expected in years past. Now, 
Ole Miss has a very high-powered offense, which uh, their their single caller Jackson Dart. Um, I had I just had the number right here. Let me let me pull it up here. Um, here we go. Th- throwing for eight hundred and fifty-two yards, seven TDs, forty-five out of sixty-eight completions, only one interception. I I, I kind of. Uh, not to go back, but I've kind of jumped when I saw UCLA's number. Then I realized who they were playing. So, but I don't want to go back. I want to focus on it's this. Okay. But, um, really, really, um, even Alabama's defense has looked iffy, and they lo- were looking. They were looking pretty good in the first half of that Texas game, and then they just kind of they they don't they're not they're good, but they're not great. And it, but they are playing in Tuscaloosa. This is Nick Saban. We're still talking about. Um, but with how they've been playing, this is tough. This is a tough game to call. This is a very tough game to call because this really right here could end not only the uh, not only the their Alabama's playoff hopes, but possibly the dynasty. And maybe it's no. Some people are going to say it's an overreaction, but people are already declaring the dynasty dead, even with Alabama winning against South Florida. But having to do it, having to really fight for a win, they should have blown. They should have blown South Florida out by like forty points because it's South Florida. But <laughs> um, this is tough. This is tough. Probably the toughest game I've had to call. I think my gut is telling me that Ole Miss is going to win by a touchdown. I know it's going to be shocking, and I'm probably going to look like a total idiot uh, uh, if after this game, but I want to be bold a little bit in my first ever appearance. So sure. I think I might – maybe Ole Miss – maybe Ole Miss wins by a touchdown and shocks everyone. That wouldn't be crazy because Ole Miss is playing with confidence and Alabama sputtering. It's not a crazy play. This, to me, though, really comes down to can Alabama run the football again like they did last week? That's that's it. Roydell Williams ran for 129 yards last week. And if they're able to run for that much and able to open up the passing lanes there for Jalen Milrow, because, I mean, Milrow is not really more much of a passer. He's more of a runner, what, we, like, what we've seen so far. Then I could see that. And – you know, Lane Kiffin is f- familiar with Saban's program because he was there several years ago. I know personnel's have changed, but Ole Miss does have a big edge against the Alabama defense, too. So that's the way I think the only way you can really see Bama winning this one is can they run the ball, keep the ball out of Ole Miss's hands? Because I think, and I, th- I don't know if you would agree with me on this, Brody, I think if Bama's going to win this game, it's going to have to be a lower-scoring game. If this is more of a higher scoring one, I think Ole Miss is going to win it because I don't know if they could keep up in kind of a shootout fashion. We kind of saw that against Texas a couple of weeks ago where Texas put up 34 against them. I don't think Bama can put up that many points in these games. Yeah, they did week one, but they look at who they were playing. Um, They're basically I know playing, historically yeah. this matchup has been dominated by Bama, but it's it, this is really tough. And if, from the betting perspective, if you were to bet on this, You'd be more comfortable if the game was down to either six and a half or seven and a half. Because at six and a half, I would be more inclined to take Bama. If it was seven and a half, I would take Ole Miss plus the points. But right at seven is such a tricky number. I'm going to be crazy in saying this, Brody. I'm taking Alabama. I think if, if Williams is going to, if they could run the ball, keep the ball out of Ole Miss's hands, 
and not have to force Milrow to throw the ball as much as he did as he did as he as he has to, then I think they'll be all right. So I'm going to take Bama by ten, but it's going to be kind of in the lower scoring end. This is not going to be a kind of a shootout game. If this is a shootout, I think Ole Miss wins it. Mm. And if Ole Miss is to win, then Alabama's season is going to be done. Not even out of September, and Alabama will not be talked about in the college football playoff discussion for the rest of the year. That would be a two and two start. That'd probably be the worst start since 2007, I think. Nick Saban's worst first year. So that I think I think that's probably what it's going to be. But Alabama needs to win this game. They they need to. They need to win this game. It really and and Ole Miss kind of does too because they they want to make they want to win the SEC West that's been their goal because that'll definitely put them in the com- they'll definitely at least put them up there in the future. Lane Kiffin's been trying to build that program for years. Um this really is a make or break game for both for both teams. So I think this will be a good one and I think the reason why I decided to go with Ole Miss because I think it is going to end up being a shootout game like we saw in Texas like we saw versus Texas and we saw how that happened. That's kind of why I I won't be surprised if Alabama does win it though. I won't be surprised. This could go either way, but I'm slightly leaning towards Ole Miss at the moment. But it won't yeah. be. But I won't be shocked if Alabama wins. That's well said. I totally agree with you on that. And I'll tell you what the the talk about the Alabama dynasty. I mean, it'll be it'll be two years in a row that they're not in the college football playoff if they don't win this game. I mean, even it's on thin ice already because they struggled against South Florida last week. I mean, so and with the competition you have right now, the two, the at least two teams in the Big Ten, possibly your Penn your Penn State being up there as well. I mean, there's definitely going to be a lot of uh, doubting with that. This was actually of the five games we're picking. This was the one I struggled with the most. But I'm gonna call me crazy. I'm going back to the well again with the Crimson Tide laying the seven at Brian Denny Stadium on Saturday afternoon. And then finally, this is maybe the game of the day on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I'm biased here being a Notre Dame Fighting Irish fan. This is a game I had circled on the calendar all season. Sixth-ranked Ohio State taking on ninth-ranked Notre Dame at home, under the lights, prime time on NBC, 7.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff. The Buckeyes are a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Brody, I'll, I'll go first here since I'm the, I'm the Notre Dame fan. I'll see what you think about this one. I look at this matchup, and Notre Dame already 4-0 on the season. They've had the best the best pickup, and you can even say that now in college football with the transfer portal. But Sam Hartman, getting him in the transfer portal, it's already looked, it's already made Notre Dame a different team. It's the best change of, uh, of any transfer portal position. This has been the best and most impactful one so far. And – you know, Hartman's already thrown for 1,000 yards, 13 touchdowns, and no interceptions. If you think about this matchup, Notre Dame comes in with a better quarterback in this one. And Ohio State doesn't have a Justin Fields. They don't have a C.J. Stroud under center. They didn't even know who their quarterback was going to be until just before the start of the year. And I will say this, though. The playmakers are definitely advantage for Ohio State with Marvin Harrison Jr., with Trayvon Henderson running the ball. They do have one of the more dominant run defenses in college football, but it's very hard to rattle Sam Hartman. And I'm concerned with McCord at quarterback for for the Buckeyes. And this is a, you know this is a real true test going into that environment there in Notre Dame. The Fighting Irish are dominant against the run, 
So they're going to make McCord beat them if that's the case. And this is a game where Notre Dame's got the better offense while Ohio State's got the better defense. And yeah, normally defense wins championships and sometimes wins games. But I think this environment is going to shake things up. And we've seen Notre Dame do this at home to, to big teams before. And I think they're good. And Ohio State is not going undefeated this year. Notre Dame's not going to go undefeated this year. But I think they're going to stay undefeated after this one. This is my upset of the week. I am taking the Fighting Irish out, outright. And if not, I'm getting that extra half a point, which helps too. But I think Notre Dame's going to actually win this game because they have the better quarterback in this matchup. And Sam Hartman's had to deal with big-time hostile environments before. I'm, I'm taking the Irish my, plus the three-and-a-half as an upset special on Saturday night. Well, I definitely was going to make that point about Sam Hartman completely transforming that Notre Dame offense. I I kind of come from a weird place because not only I'm a Penn State fan, so you kind of already yeah. know how I feel about Ohio State being the scourge of us sure. in the Big Ten for years. Also, I'm, I don't know if my the viewers know this. I'm also kind of a USC fan, so really I don't like either team personally. <laughs> It's kind of rough for me, but this prob- this is definitely the biggest game of the week, so I am going to be watching. Um, this, re- this, this for both teams could make or break their season. This is a big one. Um, really, both teams could win this game, and I think it all comes down. To, I think it all comes down to the QB. Kyle McCord is no CJ Stroud. Kyle McCord is definitely no JT Barrett or Justin Fields or all these talented quarterbacks that they've Ohio State's been able to churn out like a factory in years past. Um, he seemed to have been getting better with his targets, but I mean, when you're playing against Western Kentucky, anything's possible. Um, Notre Dame hasn't had that tough of a schedule so far, but really this is their, for both teams, this is their first big time opponent. This is really either you prove yourselves or you take yourselves out of the conversation possibly. Well, even then, not maybe that's an overreaction cuz cuz really you could lose this game and still be in the conversation for the playoff at the end of the year if, if you went out after this game. Real but both I bet both these teams really want to fight hard for this win. Um last year looking at this game, I knew Ohio State was going to win. I just knew like in Columbus had the better quarterback, clearly had the better team, but this year, really, it's anybody's game. Um, Ohio State's defense has drastically improved, and for as much crap as Ohio State's defense got last year, uh, people forget that they they were able to make the plays when they made when they made them. They weren't the best defense, but they were a clutch defense. Look, uh, as painful as it me for me to look back, um, we were Penn State was leading most of that game against Ohio State last year, but the fourth quarter came and uh, Penn State just completely buckled because Ohio State's defense finally was able to make the plays they need to make. Now, the big difference is, is that Sam Hartman is a drastically better QB than Sean Clifford. So really, this is anybody's game. This is tough to call. I thought the old Miss Alabama one would be tough to call, but this one, oof. Um, this is going to be a tight, tight game tighter than a new pair of pants i'm trying to make those one-liners I, I <laughs> um I, I think this game will come down to defense and who can make the stops when they need to But we've seen Notre Dame's defense drastically improve as well. So, and you're playing, you're playing at, you're playing at 
that raucous environment that's going to be on Saturday. It's going to be a very good raucous environment. <sighs> my brain is telling me Ohio State's going to win and cover, but once again, my gut is leaning towards maybe Notre Dame pulling off the upset, and it's going to be considered an upset probably. Yeah. I won't be surprised. I think I'm going to have to play it safe and go with Ohio State to win. Maybe, though, that Notre Dame only keeps them to three points and they narrowly miss the cover. Maybe it's only a three-point victory or even less, and they don't cover. So I think that's going to be my final prediction. I think I'm going to go with Ohio State to win but not cover. Yeah, and that's not a crazy thought also. I just think also when you look at this, last year, remember, Notre Dame opened up at Ohio State. It was the first game for Marcus Freeman as the head coach. The quarterback position was was not anywhere near it was like it is today for Notre Dame. And actually, they hung in with Ohio State. And Ohio State, I think, looked better last year than they did this year. And Notre Dame hung, hung out with hung with them for three quarters. So, And I think even when you look at the head coaching matchup, remember, there's a tremendous amount of pressure there at Ohio State this year for Coach Ryan Day. Definitely. That's why. And, but I will say this though, too. If it is a close game on either side, I don't think it kills either team's seasons because Ohio State, I think, could still get in as a one loss team. Notre Dame's always at a disadvantage because they don't play division, they don't have a conference championship because they're obviously independent. But also, Notre Dame's schedule this year is also very, very challenging. I think they still play your USC team later in the year. They have to go to Clemson. They got North Carolina. Notre, I mean, for all the talk about Notre Dame, being independent they, last year they had one of the toughest schedules of anybody in the country and they have a very similar kind of challenging schedule this year and it's just starting here with one of the top teams in not only the nation but obviously also in the big 10 but i think this game will be very very close and you know nighttime college football at notre dame we've seen it the last couple of years we saw notre dame beat clemson twice at home in the last couple of years one was in double overtime anything is possible when you play there in prime time at night under the lights. And I think it's going to be another one of those situations this. So we'll see what happens. This is a game though. I'll be staying up late to watch and I'm looking forward to it between a battle of top 10 teams. And real quick, I know I didn't have this game in our picks, but your uh, Penn state Nittany lions taking on 24th ranked Iowa, also a prime time game. That game is on CBS at 7 30 PM. Eastern. Well, what do you think about your boys taking taking on uh, Iowa on Sunday? I'm I'm very confident because um, our defense has played phenomenal, and I know everybody likes to make, make made fun of the Iowa offense for not scoring any points last year. I mean, Cade McKe- McEnam- McNamara, if I'm getting that name right, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, he did transfer there from Michigan, and he's been able to kind of turn around that offense, which is. Which you know, I, th- I think Iowa is a, is a not a bad team like they were last year, but they're not great. They're serviceable, but you have to play in the whiteout. And Iowa and Ohio State managed to do that many times and beat us in the whiteout because they're Ohio State, of course. But the, I mean, I but I definitely think Penn State will win. They're up fourteen point five in the. Um, I could see Penn State covering. I th- I could see them winning by three touchdowns. I think they will explode in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. I think Iowa will keep it close in the first half, but the second half will come. I think Penn State will get going on offense. Score. Uh, Drew Allar will run up the score. Um, I won't be surprised if Penn State wins and covers. And that's not me being biased. I I'm a brutally honest fan. I just think that Penn State is on a mission this year. And I want to go back a little, if you don't mind, go back mm-hmm. to the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. Yeah. I know we're not supposed to talk about rooting interests that much, but um, 
I know I said I don't like either team, but me personally, I would rather see Notre Dame win only because it would. I know it doesn't affect conference play, but it would help. It would help Penn State if Ohio State lost one early, which may affect their confidence going in, especially with with question marks at QB. I think that would definitely help Penn State. And I definitely think Michigan fans are going to have to also swallow their pride a bit and root for Notre Dame too. Sure. And um, those, um, of course, uh, both those games are actually going to be playing at the same time, which Mm -hmm. makes it even more wild. Um, So I'll be kind of flipping between the two games to see what's going on or trying to watch them both at the same time. So... I definitely think so. At the end, Penn State wins and they cover. I think they win by like three touchdowns. Um, Iowa will put up a good fight, but it'll just get away from them. Yeah, that, that's actually where exactly I have it at. I think I think Penn State's going to roll past Iowa. Um, there, whiteout conditions there on Sat on Saturday night. So officially, my five picks for the Monty moment picks for me. I'm going to take Florida State minus two and a half against Clemson. I'm going to take Colorado getting 21 at Oregon. Utah minus four and a half against UCLA. I'm going to take Bama laying seven against Old Miss, and I'm taking Notre Dame in an upset special plus the three and a half at home against sixth-ranked Ohio State. Well, Brody, it was great to have you on. And, of course, if you want to read, you follow Brody at Sorbera underscore Brody. And if you want to check out, and I do recommend this, please check out his great college football blog post on etbpodcast.com. Uh, fantastic stuff there. He's got a great. He's got one that just came out about Mel Tucker and Michigan State, and also he dice, he goes through all the college football stuff as well. Brody, great to have you on. Um, we will definitely have you back on again later in the year as the college football picture gets clearer and clearer. And right now it is really wide open. So uh, we'll, it's we anybody's see. championship. What's that? It's anybody's championship. At this it point. really is. I mean, I still think George is the best team in the country. But if you're talking about trying to find four teams in the playoff right now. We did this last year. There was a point about middle of October, so we were looking at possibly eight teams for four spots. I think we're going to be kind of going down that road again later on in the year. And, you know, this again, this is the final year with the four-team format. Next year it does expand to 12, so it'll be a little bit different. But, yeah, it's definitely wide open as it ever is. And if Ole Miss beats Alabama, we are not talking about the Crimson Tide in the college football playoff in late September. And that is almost unheard of in the last yeah. several years. So. We'll see what happens. A lot of playoff implications, a lot of conference implications as well this upcoming week. And, Brody, it's great to have you on, and we will definitely have you on again in a future Monty moment for sure. So thank you, Brody. Thank you. You have a great great day. Absolutely. You too. And, folks, for more, like us on Facebook and Twitter at GameOnETB. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well at NY. Of course, also on Instagram at GameOn underscore ETB. Like I said, check out etbpodcast.com for great blog posts from Brody, from all of our great ETB contributors. And if you are on the go, check us also on YouTube, youtube.com slash ETB network for all of our uh, videos. If you like them, leave us a like. If you're new, hit the subscribe button and have your notification set so you know when all of our stuff is going to be coming out. And if you can't watch us on YouTube, you can also check us out on the go and wherever you get your favorite podcast platforms to check us all out. So for Brody, Sorbera, I'm Johnny Montabano. This has been a Monty moment, and we will see you again next time. Thank you.